Church. My name is Jonathan Holmesley. And I'm Pete Thompson. Man, week two of that awesome soundtrack. Mm. Don't you Fantastic. Love it? Fantastic. Good find, Pete. Yeah. Good find, <laughs> Pete. <laughs> All right, so the last pat time my, we were pat together. Pat myself on the back a little bit. Shh. Sorry. Go ahead. Last time we were together, um, <laughs> we we got into this subject uh, and and it got pretty uh, intense, got pretty warm. Yeah, on on decision making. This is the current sermon series that we're in. How to make decisions? How does God guide us in that? Yep. And um, last time we kind of ended by talking about man centered versus God centered, and w- and what we've said where we ended last time was God has spoken. Uh, and given us his revealed will in yep. his word. 66 yep. books of the Bible, yep. and we're not adding to that. And then we also said God does have a secret will, but he does not reveal that. Those things belong to him alone, and he's working all those things out. Uh, and so we are to live in accordance with that revealed will, uh, and then use wisdom where that revealed will is not clear on what college I should go to or whom I should marry. And I think we should talk just a little bit more about God's revealed will. So let's do that. Okay. Lead us off. And we're and we're distinguishing that, just to recap, we're distinguishing that from God's secret will. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we don't know what that is because we're finite and God is not finite. He is infinite. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, uh, we rest uh, in knowing that we don't know all things. We're not omniscient. That's right. Um, however, we are accountable to what God has revealed. And God has revealed... Uh, everything that he wants to reveal in 66 books. Mm-hmm. And of all the ways, this is amazing. We we ought to confess this. This is amazing. Of all the ways that God has chosen to, to reveal himself to us, um, as Hebrews 1, 1 talks about, uh, you know, in 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 uh, sundry times and sundry ways, in diverse ways. That's right. Uh, KJV. God revealed Himself through prophets, and um, and and yet in these latter days, God has revealed Himself finally and ultimately through His Son, Jesus Christ. Um, and uh, Jesus um had ultimate authority, right. and He spoke everything that the Father wanted Him to speak. Mm-hmm. And he spoke it with authority, and he spoke it with finality. And so then, when that happened, and he ascended to the Father, he gave that authority to his apostles, right. which we get, which we get the phrase apostolic authority. Yep. And then, that authority that Jesus gave to the apostles was put down. Mm-hmm. Inscripturated. In, inscripturated. It was canonized. Right. And and uh, and the church throughout history has recognized that Jesus's authority was made public in these writings right. that the apostles wrote down. Um, and so it's an amazing thing that the way in which God has chosen to reveal Himself is through letters to churches. Yeah, and 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 historical. Um, essays. Yep. The gospel accounts. The think of the Gospel of Luke. That's that's a that was a a, a history project mm-hmm. that a guy named Theophilus funded. Yep. And he gave Luke a lot of money right. to be able to just write down history, and then God, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote through that. Um, and and we've we now have the revealed 
word of God, the revealed will of God. And what um, the church has recognized throughout history is that when Jesus said, after I leave, I will send the Holy Spirit to you and he will guide you into all truth, that happened. That's right. The Holy Spirit guided the apostles to inscripturate all the truth that his church would need from that moment to the end of the age to fulfill the mission that God gave us. That's right. And when John finished writing Revelation, which we believe is the last book mm-hmm. to be written. That's right. Yep. And he, and he put the last umlaut or whatever he put on the page, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And it, and the ink dried. That's right. At that moment, what happened? Canon closed. Right. Special revelation ceased. Done. Ceased. Is done. Yep. That's why. And you don't need, <laughs> yeah. listen, and you don't, and you don't, outside of the, those words, you don't need anything else. That's right. You don't need any other revelation to make any decision you'll face. And that's why one of the core tenets of the the doctrine of Scripture is, one of the four tenets is necessity. The necessity of Scripture means, it implies actually, that nothing else besides Scripture is necessary. Right. We don't have, I mean, yes, we we find a lot of things that are helpful in church history and church fathers and, you know, all throughout uh, all throughout history, but, but None the of supremacy of the word, that's yeah. what we're talking about, the supremacy of the word. Right. Okay, now when we talk about guidance. Decision-making. Decision-making. Right. Um, you had a helpful phrase. Uh, when we say, the yes, the Bible, I do have the Bible, but... Mm-hmm. Talk about that. Yeah, I mean, when you when you have that, anytime you say, "Well, sure, the Bible is sufficient," yeah, to to help me make any decision I need to make. Yep. But ah, like whatever what? you, but what what whatever comes after that, but is going to yep. be something that says, "But the Bible really isn't enough." Oh man, yep. The Bible is enough to help me make any decision I face, but I need or I want. Any of that is going beyond the doctrine of the sufficiency of the scriptures. You don't need anything, and God doesn't provide anything beyond that. That's right. That's exactly right. He doesn't. And there's no way to verify that he does. Right. That's right. That's right. Oh, and really. You just have taken a, a springboard off of the sufficiency of scripture and dove into the pool of sub of subjective guidance. Yeah, yeah. Right. Subjective guidance meaning, uh, whatever your whatever you whatever impression you have. Yeah. If I if I come to you, Pete, and I say, "Well, God told me," mm. how do you know? Yeah. Very practically, here's what we ought to say to people who who come up to you and say, "Well, God told me." When they say, "God told me." Here's one of two responses you can have. <laughs> okay. I've just gotten into the habit of just saying yeah. these one of two things. Number one, where in the Bible is that? Mm. So God told me that we need to sing this song on Sunday. Or, <laughs> you know, God told me yeah. we need to uh, go help this person with their, uh, you know, uh, down with their, uh, you know, car that broken down right. or something like that. Whatever. Um, I first ask. Where's that? Chapter and verse. Mm-hmm. And that is a great question because why? what are they doing? They are saying that what God has revealed is not enough. And, and, and he's given them something private. That's right. 
that you are now bound to. That's right. They are binding your conscience to their private revelation. Okay, so God told me that we need to sing this song. That means that we are bound to what God has told this person. Right. Okay, now, what if... I mean, where does this stop? Where does this stop? If somebody says, uh, God told me that we are to spend... Uh, $10,000 on sending me to um, the mission field. Right. Mm. And this person is unqualified. I've even had people say, I know that the Bible says, um, I know that the Bible says divorce is wrong except for this reason, but God has given me a peace. Wow. I've had people say that. But God has given me a peace about mm. this exception directly controverting the word. So the no, first so no, the, so, no, you've just you've just no, you've just seared your conscience. Right. God hasn't told you that. The right answer is no, God hasn't told you that. God hasn't contradicted his word. God hasn't changed his word on marriage and divorce, remarriage and divorce. You've just seared your conscience. So you said the first response was Yeah. Where does it say that in the Bible? What's the second response? The second response is And I'll tell you my third one. Good. The second response is no he didn't. Mm. So so so, Pete, God has told me da 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 da. God has told me to uh, for the church to spend twenty thousand dollars on me to go to uh, the mission field and uh, and do this. No, he didn't. Even though, even though uh, I'm not qualified. Yeah. No, no he, he didn't. didn't. No, he didn't. How well? How do you know what he told me? What he didn't tell me? Because I know that God has revealed to all of us what he's going, what he wanted to reveal. And and when you say to me, uh. God has told me, I get to say to you on the basis of the closed canon, on the basis of the fact that God has has finished, he ceased revealing. I get to say on the basis of that, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. So, what? okay, you have a third response. Well, okay, so I want to, I'll come back to the third response in just okay. a moment. I, man, there's such a big difference between someone coming to someone and saying, I'd really like it, or I really have a desire to go to the mission field. Yeah, and and that that's an appropriate way to bring up that conversation. Sure, I have a desire to go to the mission field. That opens the doorway up for a conversation. But when the but when it's God has told me I am to go to the mission field, that is a dead end. Yep, that's not a that's not a door opening for a conversation. That is not a path for a conversation. Oh. It's a great thing that you desire that. It's God has told me, and if you say no, then you are now contradicting God. It's like it's like the guy, um, it's like the guy that asked a girl out, and she said, "Well, let me go pray about it." And she came back to him and said, "God told me I, I can't date you." And so this poor guy, not only has he been rejected by this girl, <laughs> he's been rejected by the Holy Spirit. Oh, bless his heart, poor guy. So, so we're not saying that you can't come to other believers or to pastors or to anyone and say, you have a desire to do something. Every, everybody, Jonathan's what, not saying that the person got rejected by the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying yeah, that. No. Please don't tweet that. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the third response, and this is the one that I had, I can remember a time in high school when a guy that I was, um, I was acquaintances with came to me and said, um, I, God gave me this vision. And this, this vision is that I'm going to be a worship leader and you're going to be a speaker and we're going to do these massive conferences together. Hmm. <laughs> and uh, I just looked at him and said, wow, that's crazy because God hasn't given me the same vision. 
<laughs> you know, it's like God. God told me, and it's like, why did I miss really? the memo? God told me he the hasn't opposite. Told, he hasn't told me that. Yeah. In fact, he actually has been leading me to go to Southeastern, and and I've already made plans and applied and been accepted, and so. Uh, I'm not going to cancel my college application here because you told me God said. Yep. So there's just, it's so incredibly dangerous and unloving to say to someone else, God told me this. Yep. And now you're bound to believe me. So John Owen Owen once said, uh, if any private revelation uh, disagrees with scripture, then it ought to be tossed. So God told me to commit adultery. Okay, that dis- disagrees with Scripture, so it should be tossed. But then he said, if any private revelation agrees with Scripture, then it's unnecessary. Right. <laughs> you didn't need it. Oh, that's so good. That's I so mean, John, good. our boy John Owen, yeah, Puritan John Owen, just yeah. cutting through the cheese, man. Someone might listen to this conversation, and they, yeah. and they might be saying, man, this sounds harsh. Yeah. I can't imagine, you know, you kind of touched on this. Like somebody comes up and says, I want to go to the mission field. Uh, that's great. Let's talk about it. But when somebody says, God told me, God told me that you yeah. are to give me $20,000 so that I can go to the mission field. The reason why we're talking about this the way we are is because what's at stake here is uh, the very thing that was at stake in the Garden of Eden. Half, explain that. Half God really said, "Wow!" Satan said to Eve, "This is this is the heart of theological liberalism." Um, Holly and I, my wife and I, are going through a book called "Fundamentalism and the Word of God" by J.R. Packer. Cool. Super great book, and he's talking about he he's been making the point that every movement in theological liberalism, so away from Orthodox Christianity. Every movement had to start with an attack on the Word of God. Wow. And so, so therefore, the, the basic premise is fundamentalism began as a, as a defense of the Word of God. And so we ought to be thankful for fundamentalism. That's his, that's his premise. But here's why we're being kind of harsh on this. Um, there's too much at stake. Right. There's too much at stake. Right. When you say, uh, God, hath God really said we are giving in to the same lie that Satan gave to Eve? And the fall of humanity <laughs> came out of that one lie. Um, and, uh, but, but here's the thing about that, that narrative in Genesis. What, what Satan had to do in order, he had, he had two lies. Uh, the second lie was that, um, that uh, on the day that 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 we will eat of it, that that Eve would eat of it, she would surely die, and that she would become go- a, a god. That was the second lie. But in order for her to believe the second lie, he had to he had to get Eve to doubt what God actually said to discredit God's word. So that's why every movement on liberalism has to start with what it, disclaiming what God has actually said so that they can rewrite it mm. and get us to wow. believe something that God hasn't said. So they got to discredit what God has said in order to get us to believe what God has not said. And so in a very subtle way, Jonathan, I think that 
this whole discussion on guidance has crept into the church, and it's got it's got danger written all yeah, over it. The implications of it are, are too important. We're, we'll lose. Uh, we'll lose. We'll lose uh, people on yeah. this. I think souls are at stake. Yeah, we on won't this. lose the authority of the Bible on an issue like, you know, marriage and family. But right. we'll, it, we'll but we'll lose the authority of the Bible and the sufficiency of the Scriptures on issues like how to make decisions That's and right. is God's word enough. That's right, man. That's right. That is so good. Um, so in my research, one of the one of my favorite quotes it'll probably come up in one of the sermons. But yep. uh, Kevin DeYoung says this: If there really is a perfect will of God, we are meant to discover. So searching and yep. trying to get God to speak to me, yep. looking for signs. If there really is that, and and if that. Um, if the discovery of that will lead to tremendous freedom and fulfillment, why does it seem that everyone looking for God's will is in such bondage and confusion? Christ mm. died to give us freedom from the law, so why turn the will of God into another law leading to slavery? And to make matters worse, this law is personalized, invisible, and indecipherable, whereas the Mosaic law, the revealed will of God, which was hard enough already, was at least objective, public, and understandable. And his point is this, you start drifting off into subjectivity, Mm -hmm. listening for an inner voice. Impressions. Trying to find impressions, looking for signs. Um, What you are doing is you are asking for bondage and confusion. Mm -hmm. And then what you're also doing is anytime you say, God told me to someone else about a private revelation, what you're doing is enslaving them. That's right. They are now bound to serve what you said. Yep. Um, that's right. That's not how God operates. No, it's not. It's not. Mark Dever says this. Uh, we need to scrape the decay of subjective guidance off of the teeth of the authority of Scripture. That's really good. Right. We need to scrape the, the plaque of subjective guidance off of the teeth of the authority of Scripture. You blunt the blade of Scripture. Wow. When you when you say, God told me. Yeah, you rot the teeth of Scripture when you say, God told yeah, me. Yeah, and think about it. The, uh, the, the Word of God is sharp and powerful, and, and it pierces. It pierces hearts. Your Word can't do that. Our Word can't do that. Our, our, our impressions, our subjective guidance, we can't pierce the heart. Only God's Word Man. can do that. Impressions are impressions. That's all yeah. they are. And they can be fine. Yeah. There's nothing particularly sinful. What's sinful is calling impressions. Objectifying them. Yeah, calling yeah. impressions the Word of God. Yeah. Elevating right. it to the, to the authority of the Word right. of God. Yeah. Yeah. Well... Let's end on that note, um, and uh, I'm sure at some point in the the life of this podcast, we'll circle back around to some of this discussion because Absolutely. it's such an important topic. That's good. Uh, but w- we would encourage you to, to do a couple things. Number one, if you like the podcast, give us a decent review. Uh, secondly, if you're interested in learning more about decision-making in the will of God, go to lakewileybaptistchurch.com slash messages, and you can hear our sermons as we upload them. Uh, and then uh, find us on Facebook or something like that. Jonathan Holmesley, Pete Thompson, and and uh, we'd love to interact. So God bless, and thank you for listening to this episode of The Church. See ya.